But what I still don't understand is how Nana got it in the first place. She really isn't... Oh, sit down. It won't take long. She really isn't vicious, you know. She's a wonderful nurse. Although Father says... Girls talk too much. <laughs> yes. Girls talk too... Uh -huh. Oh, the jungle VIP I've reached the top and had to stop And that's what's bothering me I feel a surge of deep satisfaction. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersock. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, this is why I don't record an intro beforehand because <laughs> I can flourish it however I want every time yeah. we, we hop on here. Killing it. Absolutely killing it. Um, so last episode was was awesome. Last bracket was one of those weird ones uh, where we never know how it's going to turn out, but it was super <laughs> fun. Uh, we talked a lot about giving as we enter into this holiday season. Sure. Um, it, it is a season of giving, but is it is also a time of year when emotions are running high. <laughs> and, and it's a good time to tell someone how you feel about them, whether that is... Uh, intentionally telling someone how much you love them or maybe unintentionally telling someone you got to beef with them. <laughs> and that's exactly why we're pulling no punches in this bracket. We are talking the worst Disney character bracket. We've laid in pretty hard into characters in the past, especially when we talk about like the traditional heroes of these Disney films, often sometimes the sidekicks, we will we will roast them a little bit. And this is going to be two full episodes of just that. <laughs> and to help us to do some of the Disney duds dirty is our favorite tie-breaking tag team. It's Eric and Alyssa. Eric and Alyssa, welcome back to Mouse Madness. Hello, it's good to be back for the third time. Ooh. I thought Chris was... Potentially proposing to someone with this intro. Um, it was so lovely. It was so kind. It was really emotional. Um, I went for a ride there. So, Chris, nice job. Um, I'm. I love being here, guys. Thank you for having us. So I don't wanna. I don't wanna like toot our own horns, but for some reason, I feel like when you two are on the podcast, I feel funnier. I feel like a funnier person when you guys are around. I don't know if that's just because you laugh at a lot of stuff or just uh, something about the chemistry of us four. It works. It works for the show. We got something going on here. <laughs> I reciprocate. Yeah, and that's why we had to bring you in because this is a topic that should feel silly, right? We talk, Like I said in the intro, we talk about these characters a lot and how much we often dislike them. And as we get into the announcing of the brackets, you're going to see some very familiar names if you've been listening to this podcast for a while. Um, but when you took a look at the list here, Eric and Alyssa, and you, you saw the topic bracket, uh, the bracket topic, what went through your mind? Were you ready? Were you stoked about talking worst when we're talking about some heroes here, some sidekicks? You go first. <laughs> I'm curious what you're going to say. Well, it's just an interesting like flip of thinking like... 
I'm not used to choosing things that are bad because I have really good taste. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's different for me. It's a little hard to get in the, the mindset of like, which one's the worst. But I think as we reviewed it ahead of time, we were like, okay, there's some clear, terrible characters here that we're excited to get into. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start us off with a little spoonful of sugar, Chris. What is in your cup this episode? So, I mean, I don't know if you have noticed this, but I've been on this like alternating schedule of like, I got a good spoonful of sugar. I got a bad one. I got a good one. Yep. I got a bad one. So I got a bad one on our last ah. episode. I'm hoping we get a good one today. Um, it's another beer. It's from Hop Valley Brewing Company, which is in Eugene, Oregon. Shout out to right. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> we had Corvallis last week with the hard That's cider. Right. We're just out here supporting Oregon State Athletics. <laughs> um, it's it's a mango stash, mango IPA with cryo hops. Cryo hops is trademarked. I don't know what that means. It sounds dope. Um, <laughs> but it's it. I feel like it's it's going to be a safe kind of flavor. You know, mango IPA, like what can go wrong? Okay. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's like not not as mangoey as maybe I hoped it would be, but it's easy to drink, and that's really all I can ask for in a beer that is not sure. a sour beer. So, sure. uh, I, I'd say it was a success. I say we're back on the horse, Kyle. Okay, good. I love to hear that for you. What about you? I have like a, a a bit of a shameless plug for for one of the homies here, uh, Kyle Madsen. He was a guest on uh, Biggest Disney Turnt Boy, and he was a guest on Saddest Pixar Moment, I think. And he has a podcast called Candlestick Chronicles that is all about the 49ers, and he's he's a sports journalist himself, so that's why he does that. And his podcast got... I mean, his podcast is very, very well known within the Niner community, and one of the listeners happens to own a brewery and they created a beer on behalf of his podcast. And so Kyle and I went to go watch some San Jose Sharks at a bar the other night. And he brought along with him a four pack of his Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. Dude. And let me tell you, if you like Hazy IPAs, but you don't like how like citrusy they can be so sometimes that like aftertaste of the hazy is like burning your esophagus because it's so citrusy this is the one for you this is like a juicy hazy ipa it's delicious kyle even said that he's not a big hazy drinker so he was a little he was a little sketched out when they he heard that it was going to be a hazy but it's <laughs> delicious so uh candlestick chronicles it is brewed by cooperage brewing company so yeah. Oh, look, Kyle Madsen's name's on the can. Look at this. <laughs> got a famous beer friend here. Uh, so if you're in the Bay Area and you know where that brewing company is or where they sell, pick up a pick up a pack. It's pretty, pretty or delicious. Or if you're in the Bay Area and you brew alcohol of some kind uh, and you're looking for a collab, you know, Mouse oh. Madness. Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the filthy Phil IPA. Are we ready to trademark it? Let's go. Uh, Eric and Alyssa, what do you guys got over there? I just want to put on the record that Alyssa and I will hang out with Kyle Madsen. I just want to... <laughs> okay. We're manifesting. If, <laughs> we, if we put that energy out there, who knows when we return to us. Maybe Love we'll it. hang out with Kyle and Chris at a bar. Yep. It could happen, folks. I, I have a margarita. I'm predictable. Love <laughs> it. Love Old, it. reliable, as we say. 
And as for me, I'm having some Golden State Cider. Mm. And uh, it is apple-driven dry cider from Sonoma County, California. It's Jamaica flavor, but we like to call it Jamaica juice because, <laughs> coincidentally, Jamaica in Spanish is spelled Jamaica. So. <laughs> Fair. It's very good. I feel like someone at a taqueria has ordered the Jamaica juice before. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, you talk about margaritas being old reliable, but uh, I was half expecting you coming in hot with a little yerba mate action. Oh, so I'm, I'm glad to see that you're I hitting know. us with a little margarita. Yeah, I hit us with a, little, with a little Patron tonight. My, my boss, as I say in Spanish, Patron is boss. <laughs> I'm on the job. <laughs> oh, we're going to have Eric feeling real good for this one, which is just in time for our pull of the pod segment. We have made our way through... 20 plus packs of Upper Deck Disneyland 50th Anniversary cards. We are on the search for Mr. Tom Morrow card. He is from Rockets, Jets to the Moon and Innoventions. And uh, he's a weird looking card and we want it really bad. So there's about four more of these things left here. And we are going to try and see if he, uh, he shows up. And first card is not him. The first card is a cool one. I like this one. 1960s Skull Rock. Ooh. So this was out uh, in Fantasyland at one point. It is like School Rock from Peter Pan. Uh, the what was it called? What was the ship called? Um, something. Some. It was sponsored by uh, a tuna company. Oh yeah, yeah. Sold, Chicken like, of the Sea. Fish sandwich. Chicken of the Sea. Yeah. It had a it had a boat that was like Captain Hook's pirate ship out in that same lagoon, and they sold tuna sandwiches. And stuff, Honestly, so weird, there aren't a whole lot of things that I look back on opening day Disneyland and be like, you know what? I wish that was still there. You know, like most of it, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad we we've moved past that. But that Skull Rock and the Peter oh, yeah. Pan boat, I'm like, you know what? I feel like that still has a place there. Oh, I I agree. It's a it was a beautiful area. Um, next up. <laughs> what is this next up is a great moments card we might have pulled this one because i think i had the same reaction but it's called balloon release mm, i don't think we had that one before. <laughs> what and all so i can think guy... about is the jet ski show at animal kingdom and all those balloons flying Kite away tails. oh my gosh so this card is it has it's a view from like outside the park looking at the train station and over the over the roof of the train station and there's just a release of a lot of balloons and the description on the back says commemorating the 30th anniversary of the park 1 million balloons were released and to those at the park or in the area it was a magical day to remember and for the ozone it was an awful day <laughs> for global say, warming it's an L for space <laughs> Oh man! And also, I, one of those cards is balloon release. One of those cards is like Space Mountain. So that's like the Charizard, <laughs> and this other card is like some. Oh, just grass. just wait, just wait. Re- everybody, remember that we got balloon release in this pack. They don't right. even have a cool name for it. No, <laughs> a great moment. They ran out. They're like, God, we need like 50, 50 different things. Uh, what have we done? Right. Uh, balloon release. All right. Um, remember when we killed the planet? Uh, all right. <laughs> Next card is 1955's Main Street Fire Department. So mm-hmm. it is the fire department the where horses. there's some horses on the front pulling <laughs> the old, old fire carriage. And that's that. Okay. So we had a balloon release and this one is a way cooler card than that. It is one of the die cut haunted mansion 
cards, but this is the Haunted Mansion concept card. So Ooh, it is the yeah. concept art for the attraction. It is die cool. cut. Um, way cooler than a balloon release. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot cooler. And since we've gotten through those, that means that we did not find Mr. Tom Morrow in this pack. We have our final card. It is the attraction poster card, and it is Peter Pan's Flight. Appropriate. So appropriate. Super appropriate. <laughs> um, it is a very old attraction poster. Very, very plain, um, but it's nice. I like those purples. I like those blues. We will be back next episode for another poll of the pod in which we will try to find Tom Morrow. But Chris... Let's start talking about this bracket. Yeah, and I think before we go any further, we have to point out that this bracket topic was voted on by our Patreons over at patreon.com slash madness. Jerry's gang got up in our heads, and (laughs) this was almost unanimously the choice for the bracket. Honestly, I think I was the only one who didn't (laughs) vote for this bracket. Um, I don't want to reveal which one I voted for because I want to do it later, but uh, this was definitely one that was wanted, and so I'm excited to get into it. So if you want to hop on Jerry's Gang and be a part of this process of voting for Mouse Madness brackets, link is in the description, patreon.com slash mouse madness. So... we needed a demographic for this bracket um, to determine the worst Disney character. And believe it or not, it, it feels like it's been a minute, but it was a pretty slow week in terms of Disney news and Disney parks news. There wasn't a whole lot of controversy going on, no. which seems like that's where we've been drawing the majority of our demographics <laughs> from lately. Uh, so we, we went back to basics, went back to our bread and butter and hit the parks and found a parks demographic. And we went with, the loudest person in your party. And if you, <laughs> if you have one. ever been in a Disney parks party of more than four people, you know who I'm talking about. There's someone <laughs> who is just having a little bit too much fun, uh, who's screaming on the rides, who is uh, just very excited. Not that that's a bad thing, but um, we see you and we had to make sure that your opinions were heard when it comes to the worst <laughs> Disney character and we've got a field of 16 16 honestly really awful disney characters if i must say um and like the, the list goes on and on so obviously we had some some overflow from our field of 16 so we had plenty to choose from when we talk about missing the dance kyle what are some bad worst disney characters that missed the dance for you uh the first one is sebastian from the little mermaid that dude is annoying he is a suck up to King Triton. He rats out Ariel. Uh, we hate him. We don't stand Sebastian. Number two is uh, Filthy Phil himself. He uh, he yeah. he is portrayed as a hero. Uh, he didn't throw that sword. That was the fairies. That was the fairies. Also, he got he he fell in love with the baby. And number three is the entire Walt Disney Company. I'm gonna call them out right now. They're all oh. the worst characters. Oh baby, they out here raising prices. They out here bringing back. 50-year-old parades and selling it as a commemorative special event. They are just absolutely gouging us right now. They are laying off and underpaying their employees, and it's bullshit. So they are the worst Disney characters that did not make this bracket in my eyes. We don't we can we can talk all Disney that we want, but we don't have to stand the company in that way. And that is me. I, I don't think that they are good people. Uh Chris. How about for you? <laughs> Jeez, Kyle. <laughs> Bottle up some of that energy and save it for a oh. uh, couple of these characters oh, on this bracket. It's um, 
we're fresh off a of spooky season. We're fresh off Halloween. So a lot of these Halloween movies are fresh in my head. So I got to give a shout out to Thackeray Binks, my OG <laughs> Disney character that I hate. Don't have a great explanation why. I just find him very annoying. Also, when, when we're talking about like garbage people, Jim Evers from The Haunted Mansion, definitely like not a great person. <laughs> at yeah. least at the beginning of the movie, he was doing some stuff that was not great. He, yeah, he's choosing work over his wife and his family. Like, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, like, uh, we've got these. Like, uh, there are so many characters that I rib on on this podcast. Not all of them are on here. Some of them are on here. One of them that's not on here is Bing Bong. Uh, <laughs> we've been over it tons of times. Don't need to beat a dead horse. I hate Bing Bong. Um, <laughs> sad that we don't get to discuss him any further. And then, but the one that really surprised me is one that a lot of people seem to not like, and that is Roger Rabbit, the man himself who. Disney tried to make him the next Mickey and he just never yeah. really caught on. And, and I think a lot of Disney fans find him a little bit annoying for that reason. Um, so sure. I'm surprised he's not in our field of 16 here. I don't think he's particularly bad. Like I, I like Roger. I like his movie. I think he's fine, but mm-hmm. uh, I would have expected to see him. Uh, Eric and Alyssa miss the dance for you. Yeah, they're, they're a handful. Um, I want to say John Smith from Pocahontas. John yep, that is a huge miss the dance. That is a huge <laughs> yeah. miss the dance. John Just, Smith is in a whole separate cat. Like, yeah. like he's a he's a different whole bracket. He was already crowned. Punk. He was already <laughs> yeah. crowned. Like we didn't even have to talk about him. He's in the have rafters. You, have you all seen the Saturday Night Live sketch where Blake Shelton's John Smith? No. Just to summarize no. it, just to summarize it for you, they like pretend they pretend that they're doing like a parks meet and greet, and they're like, "All right, Hercules will be back later." And now <laughs> appearing on stage two oh. is John Smith, <laughs> and like no one comes to. And the whole sketch is just them trying to get people to come see John Smith. Anyways, yes, I agree. He is awful. Just big yikes. Yeah, big big colonizer energy. Uh, Tantor is kind of annoying. Um, <laughs> That's, I mean, those are the two extremes. Tantor's on one end, John Smith is down here. So that's our energy tonight. Yeah, Tantor is annoying. Like, <laughs> he's, he's annoying, especially when it's like this, he's friends with two adventurous kids, and then it's him. Of course, they had to put him in there. We're talking about Tantor, the, the elephant from Tarzan, everybody, if you didn't know that name. And, I did uh, not. I did not. Well, I was just nodding my head like <laughs> I saw the about. blink stare. <laughs> figured that I I clue you in. Um, yeah, he's a neat freak. We hate him. All right, that leaves us with sixteen that did make the dance, Chris. And I think it's about time that we announce them. So let's go ahead and cue that dramatic music. And Chris, take us away. Doing some pixie dust in the number one <laughs> slot is Peter Pan. From Peter Pan. <laughs> Lying straight to your face at the number two spot is Aladdin. From Aladdin. <laughs> Pulling the strings in the three spot from Pinocchio, Geppetto. It ain't easy being green for our number four seed. It's Prince Naveen. Cannot compute how this character is not higher. It's C-3PO from Star Wars. <laughs> Racially profiling at the sixth seed is Judy Hopps. <laughs> Spreading the cheer in the seven spot from the Santa Claus cinematic universe, Charlie Calvin. Growing up a little too fast at the eight seed is young Simba. Some people are worth melting for, but this character certainly is not. From the frozen cinematic universe, it is Olaf. 
getting her done at the 10 seed is Toe Mater from the Cars Cinematic Universe. <laughs> the worst well actually guy in Disney history from the Halloween Town Cinematic Universe, it's Dylan Piper. Might as well call him Petty LaBelle because he's throwing fits at the 12 seed. It's Will Turner from Pirates of the Caribbean Cinematic Ooh, Universe. Shots fired. <laughs> Forcing himself into the 13 slot from Lilo and Stitch, it's Stitch. Pantsless and possibly drunk at the 14 spot is Merlin from Sword in the Stone. Flapping his wings and his gums in the 15 spot from Aladdin is Iago. And out flying a kite to round out our bracket of 16 is Mr. Banks from Mary Poppins. Eric and Alyssa, here are our 16. Uh, any matchups that you're looking forward to uh, debating here? Man, um. it was funny to hear you say the Tomato line, Kyle. <laughs> I've known Kyle a very long time. I don't think I've ever heard him say "get her done." No, why well, would I? Friendship needs to go through that, <laughs> like, because if you come out the other side of it, you're good. You're good friends. Uh. Um, I don't, folks. Honestly, Alyssa and I are feeling like we've got some people that we want to just on. We're excited to do that. Yeah. Um, but we're also excited to be uh, to hear your arguments because that's that's our role. We're we're the tiebreaker. Great. Are anyone Let's on here into- you're looking to like defend? Maybe like you know you think maybe they yes. don't deserve to be in this field <laughs> sixteen. Okay. Okay. Um, Aladdin. So we'll get to him. We will get to him. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Um. Okay. So I mean, Kyle. You teased us with this Peter Pan take uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to give you the floor to start us off because I think you've been bottling it in for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. So to uh, add to the suspense a little bit further, I'm going to talk about Mr. Banks first. Uh, Mr. Banks is a uh, an awful dad. He is. He's not a good dad. He he comes. We enter the film. Mary Poppins with Mr. Banks absolutely ignoring his family, everything that they're saying. He's coming in singing that that his like main song, can't even tell you what it's called. And his wife is trying to tell him that the kids are missing. And he's like, <laughs> no, woman, like whatever. Yes, yes, who cares? Um, as he's talking about how happy he is to be the the man of the house. It's grand to be an Englishman in 1910. King Edward's on the throne. It's the age of men. <laughs> I'm the lord the of my castle, the sovereign, the liege. Like this dude. <laughs> and his wife's like, the kids are gone. The kids are gone. He's this like, yes, is what yes, yes. men do. This is what we do, baby. We go make that bread. We come home. We, we the kings of our castle, baby. It's exactly what Mr. Banks was saying. It's like the children are missing. Right, yeah, she's like, okay, we get it. We, you make money. I'm, I'm fighting for the right to vote, but sure, you work at a bank or whatever. <laughs> Later on, after like Mary Poppins comes, roasts him, kids go off on their adventures. They come back, takes the kids to the bank, and he's trying to convince a five-year-old to like invest his tuppence into building railroads in Africa. Like, get out of here with that your kid is five let him do with his penny what he wants to do um and like from our viewpoint as an audience him being a non-believer in this magical world it just obviously makes him like the worst he is the the blocker of of our fun 
in this film, which makes him the worst of this of this film. But boy, he's up against Peter Pan. And let me tell you, Peter Pan is the worst. <laughs> Peter Pan hates women. He is extremely rude to women. The first uh, line, the first the word out of his mouth. First thing out of his mouth is uh, girls talk too much. And Wendy is like shook. He's like, and yeah. it's like they, they like kind of hold your suspense in that moment. Peter Pan's on the screen for like five minutes and you're like, yep. when is this person going to say something? And like and what profound thing is going to come out of their mouth when they finally speak? And it's girls like, talk too much. <laughs> yep. And then second line. Okay. Maybe he's going to apologize. He's going to, he's going <laughs> to be a little bit more polite. Nope. Second line is, well, well get on with it, girl. It's like, whoa, okay, Peter. Yeah. Um, He obviously stalks these kids because he mentions in the film that he hangs outside of her window to hear her tell stories about him. A little creepy. We don't like that. He kidnaps these kids. No regard for their safety. He he teaches them how to fly by telling them to think magical things and is like, I'm out the window. Y'all better. Y'all better follow. Like these, these are human kids. I mean, I'm assuming you're a human too, but these are kids who have no magical powers, no experience with magic. And you're expecting them just to fly out the window with you. He's obviously kidnapped kids before the lost boys on, uh, in Neverland. Like those kids are growing up just like parentless and he's trying to bring them back a mother who he's also has like this weird love relationship with the worst. We don't like it. Uh, he basically feeds Wendy to the mermaids, doesn't care about his friends. He he totally disregards Tinkerbell's feelings. And here's the thing. We can kind of assume that Peter and Tinkerbell have been friends or, you know, partners in crime for ever. Right. Like they since the beginning of their existence, they have been been best friends. So you would think that Peter would know what triggers tinkerbell and makes her super upset and he gives he does not care he just lights her up just just lights her up and so when she gets mad that uh peter's giving her attention to wendy for all he could have known tinkerbell could have been locked in that little sewing box for the rest of time he had no idea he was not even paying attention to her we don't we don't really like that um and then there's other examples of him being immature and self-centered and and feeding Wendy to the mermaids who were trying to drown her. Like this is this is just this dude sucks. I hate him. He is the worst. He is posited as this like magical hero juxtaposed against Hook, but in reality like he is out here ruining lives. If he had gotten killed in this whole thing, those kids are gone. Those kids are gone. No way home. Hook, Spider-Man no way, home. no way home. Neverland Spider- edition. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm moving the number 1 seed on past Mr. Banks. Kyle, I am absolutely agreeing with you. Uh, Peter Pan is definitely the worst of the two. I I agree with you. Everything you said about Mr. Banks is 100% accurate, particularly um, the song The Life I Live, which is the name. Or is it The Life I Lead? The Life I Lead. And also, like you totally glossed over Fidelity Fiduciary Bank (laughs) when you just said, oh, he wants them to buy railways through Africa. Great song. Um, (laughs) I think the thing the thing that I find most 
cruel about the way Mr. Banks treats his family is that he really sees himself as a provider, as someone right. who is making a great sacrifice for them. And, and life is about giving and taking, and it's about balancing those two things. And there are people like Mr. Banks who can get so hung up on themselves that they're giving is actually taking. It's like taking disguised as giving where they're like mm. for their own like self-righteousness and like ego in the book. Oh, I work so hard. So like you should be at my beck and call when I come home and you can rub my feet. You know, that's how hard I work. Right. Uh, it's like, it's narcissism. It's narcissism. And it's, it's kind of like a, the road to mentally and emotionally abusive behavior with your loved ones. And it's not cool. The fortunately, Mr. Banks is, apparently saved at the end of the movie. And he like learns that flying a kite is better than investing in plantations of ripening tea. <laughs> so, uh, yes, Peter Pan is moving on. Eric and Alyssa, do you agree with this one? Yeah. I mean, it's gonna Peter's got a strong hold on the number one seat. This should be interesting. Alyssa, anything to add? Well, I was thinking like in terms of age, and how Mr. Banks is like a grown-ass man and making really poor decisions. But then I was like, we don't actually know how old Peter Pan is. Thousands of years old. <laughs> so that argument kind of went out the window for me. So that I makes would, Peter worse. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the fact that he's like staying to be like a child, even though he's thousands of years old and manipulating children and doing all these horrible things, that's pretty bad. So I would agree. All right, let's move on to the next matchup. It's number eight, Young Simba <laughs> versus number nine, my boy, Olaf from the Frozen <laughs> Universe. So uh, I've talked a lot about Olaf over the years. Um, I've also talked about how much I don't really like The Lion King over the years. Um, maybe not so much that I don't like it, just that I think it's pretty overrated as a movie. Uh, so Young Simba is out here on this worst Disney characters bracket. And I'm a little bit confused. So we're going to draw the line for Simba at like the Hakuna Matata time-lapse moment when he's like walking <laughs> yeah. on the log and he just like crossfades into adult Simba, right? That's where yeah. young Simba dies. So there's a scene where he has a middle part. That's what it yep. Teenage Simba. <laughs> middle part That's Simba. Gotta love yeah. it. Um, yeah. It had to come up. Sorry. Automatically the worst for that haircut choice. <laughs> uh, Judge Claude Frollo would like a word, please. <laughs> um, so Simba is a kid and we see him get like hoisted by Rafiki and he is quite annoying in the beginning of the movie. We see him wake up uh, Mufasa before the sun rises and he's trying to sleep and... Simba's like, I want to see the sunrise, so we're going to go up there. And yes, that is very annoying, but it is a very kid thing to do. Like, kids wake up early. That's just how it is. <laughs> so, young Simba also asks, asks so many questions. Yes. He's just constantly confused by things, which again, like, Simba is like, like a baby. He was born like a week ago. So, <laughs> about a week ago. So... <laughs> So Simba, uh, some of this stuff like makes sense, you know, for like a little kid to be like, dad, what is that? Sure. It honestly is kind of like convenient from a story perspective because it gives Mufasa the opportunity to like talk about some of the themes of the Lion King because Simba right. is so clueless. 
Uh, we see that in their initial like walk outside during the daytime when he talks about the circle of life. We also see it at nighttime after the elephant graveyard scene when Mufasa is like talking about bravery and also talking about the kings in the stars. Uh, again, just badgering Mufasa with questions, but it still like ends up leading to some very profound moments and like statements of things in the Lion King. So like, I can't hate it too much. Simba is pretty easily manipulated into the elephant graveyard trap that Scar sets for him. And also the Mufasa murder that is another trap that Scar sets for him. <laughs> and, and for us, it can be the, the trap for us is being like, Simba, you're so stupid. You stupid little kid. <laughs> but we, we praise Scar as a villain for that manipulation, for being able to take someone who's so close to him and, and turn it on him and gaslight him. And that makes Scar such a cruel villain. So, you know, can we really blame Simba for this? This is, this is more on like Scar for just taking advantage of a child, someone with a very innocent brain. Something I didn't really notice that I just noticed on this most recent uh, rewatch of the first half of Lion King did not sit through the second half, but uh, <laughs> there is some mental manipulation on on the part of Timon and Pumbaa as well. Oh yeah. Like this is a, a child who has just undergone like a major traumatic event and he's very mentally susceptible and Timon and Pumbaa are like Hakuna Matata baby. That's the way <laughs> to go. It's the way to be. Um, and so I think Lion King is about finding the middle ground. Like at the end of the movie, it's kind of about like living somewhere in the middle and like, that's mm -hmm. totally cool. Um, it's just, it's just kid Simba. It just seems like he's getting thrown around and, and yes, he's annoying at times, but I really kind of sympathize with young Simba more than I sympathize with old Simba. So, uh, I, I don't really see him as, as a worst character really like at all. Um, Olaf, okay. we, we have countless moments in all of the frozen <laughs> things where we go, Olaf's super annoying right now. Olaf's in the way right now. Like, when, can we get Olaf off the screen, please? And uh, I, I notoriously, I walked out of Frozen 2. <laughs> I, walked out, I walked out of the theater. I was super upset. I was like, this is not what I paid for. I walked out of the theater when Olaf was doing his Frozen 1 recap. Oh and, my gosh. and I, I just like, I just waited for that scene to be over so I could go back in and hopefully pick up at a different point in the movie and it ended up working for me. And like, that is just a great kind of like uh tiny vignette for my feelings about this character. So I'm advancing <laughs> Olaf very easily over young Simba. I know that you're giving young Simba pass for being a kid, but kids are the worst. This, see, I was going to say, Kyle, I feel like the theme here is that you hate kids and you think kids, kids are stupid. And kids are, kids are stupid, so dumb. but like sometimes they just don't know any better. Kids are so dumb. I hate them. They are the worst. Uh, and Simba proves that time and time again. He's constantly doing things that he's not supposed to when he's been told not to do them. That's annoying. That is just a kid being the worst, the worst kid. Good kid listens to the rules, follows them, doesn't go and almost get themselves killed. The worst kid goes and tries to like show how tough they are and how brave they are and go into this elephant graveyard they've been told about and bringing their friend with them and then acting not brave or tough. Like in that scene, Nala is the brave one the entire time. So like that then in it, that in it itself makes him the worst kid i can't stand 
young Simba. He is very, very annoying. But he only he only has about 40 minutes of annoying and then he gets old and then it just becomes this like love story between him and Nala. So I'm going to agree with you. I don't have as much of a beef with Olaf as you do, but I think that he is, especially in Frozen 2, not the recap part. I loved the recap part. Catch me on on Disney Plus. Catch me on Disney Plus when his series comes out where he's recapping other movies. Front row, baby. I'll be just right in front of my screen. I I won't watch the trailer for that. I was like, I would rather have two and a half more minutes in my day than even watch the trailer for the Olaf TV show. (laughs) Well, I am here for it. Um, But he definitely does have more moments in which you're just like, would this dude just shut up? Can we just like get through this film without Olaf having to crack another joke um so i'm with you eric and Alyssa. what are your thoughts with olaf moving on as the worst of this pair yeah definitely agree olaf's the worst and we're cat <laughs> we're cat people so we love we love young true. simba we've got biases <laughs> our our miko is very similar <laughs> yeah sometimes i'm i have empathy for like i work with teenagers and like i think about their like prefrontal cortex which is the part of their brain that is doing executive decision making and like they literally can't make judgment because their brain can't yeah because they're idiots <laughs> and sometimes it's just funny to think about that because like they don't have they don't have the great matter to process how to do things right so they're just constantly doing over and over and over and that's what i love about simba i think that's it's, i think there's dignity in like i'm gonna do this thing wrong a thousand trillion times and then like Something snaps in him. I think the death of his father. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That transit. Hopefully that's a turning point for this kid. Um, but he had to grow up real fast. Um, I, I think I, I love that about him. And he showed how he could, you know, move forward. Um, I love the middle part. I think middle part Simba <laughs> was a, a reference to, to all the favorite boy bands from the yes. 90s. I thought it was absolutely like I saw NSYNC. Immediately I was in an NSYNC music video in the middle of Lion King. <laughs> That's a shout out for the boy band folks. And it's a common sexual awakening for some folks teenage Simba, but <laughs> this is something that's going to be a theme. Alyssa and I talked about this before the pod. We think it's important to address how these characters make our bodies feel. <laughs> So we've got we've got back to back thirst traps in costume character seven foot Woody and middle part animated teenage Simba. Fascinating. Wait till, Fascinating. Wait till we start talking about a, a Robin Hood as uh, the hottest Disney character. I think that's when that that's when that's our final bracket that we ever do. Chris is hottest yeah. Disney character. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. All I learned from that was that kids got to get bigger brains, idiots. All right, let's move on. Next matchup is number four, Prince Naveen from Princess and the Frog versus number 13, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. I'm only considering that first movie. There's too much Stitch content. I'm not going to talk about the Disney Channel show. I'm not talking about Lilo and Stitch 2 or Stitch and whatever. Not talking about it. Just the initial movie. The... Things that you gave Simba a pass for, being a kid, being naive, is basically what I'm going to say about Stitch. Like, Same, yeah. This is an alien. <laughs> I get that he's annoying and like a nuisance and he is mischievous, but he's literally an alien. <laughs> like He doesn't know how to act on our planet. And he also tries to 
emulate what a dog would be like because he is forced to act like one because he is adopted from a pound and sees the other dog. He sucks his arms in somehow and is like quills into his back. Like he is just trying to do his best to to not get caught by the intergalactic cops. So uh, some annoying moments would just be any time that he did exactly what Lilo didn't want him to do. And we're all like, yeah, Stitch, you're, you're kind of ruining the movie in the moment. Uh, straight up almost gets Lilo's sister taken from her and her thrown into foster care with, with CPS, the big CPS dude. So not ideal considering the sisters wanted to kind of, you know, stick together, live together. So that's not great of Stitch. That is a, a worst character move. But overall, he's just a, a helpless alien. Prince Naveen's the worst. Prince Naveen is like very self-centered. He is trying to marry for money. He is willing to make a very rushed judgment call with a voodoo witch in order to get that money and to get that marriage. And it backfires and he drags a ton of people with him. He basically, if it weren't for him being who he is, Raymond would still be alive. Yeah, I mean, I would be totally cool with just this movie playing out where... Naveen gets turned into a frog and he dies a frog and that's it. And like <laughs> no adventure ever happens. And Tiana gets her restaurant by herself. Just, just working hard. Like she had always intended to do. That's a better movie. Also, there's a part in the film that I talked about before that he really plays into. It's when they visit mama Odie and she sings about how everyone needs to like dig a little deeper. And, and that's where your true self is. Which is like a terrible message. Like, I don't know that you need to tell somebody like you, you just you're wrong about how you're feeling. You need to just dig a little deeper. And this was also at a moment in which she Tiana was trying to like separate herself from Naveen. And this was like a kind of like a love catch moment where she's like, if you dig a little deeper, you not only find yourself and like your self-worth, but you also will reveal your true feelings. And so, like, right after that, she starts giving Naveen more of a chance and they start falling in love. And we hate that for Tiana. She was doing just fine without him to begin this film and didn't need him at the end of it. Naveen is the worst. I don't like him. He's moving on. That's an interesting comment about that song. I never really thought about that. The dig a little deeper. Um, I think that it might suffer from, like, uh, Disney attempting to create something really formulaic because they were trying to get back that like popularity of the Disney Renaissance and yep. Princess and the Frog was like the first step in that direction. And I think they might've been like, okay, what's like some platitude we can just put into song form that will be catchy <laughs> and, and memorable and kind of maybe have some life lessons in it. Uh, I was, I, I think about that every time I watch freaking Mary Poppins returns <laughs> what is it nowhere to go but up or anywhere to yeah. go but up? it's like come on bro that's like an algorithm pick that song like yeah. literally <laughs> artificial intelligence wrote the lyrics to that song and i feel like dig a little deeper might have a similar type of energy to it yep i agree um no i'm on this in the case of prince naveen versus stitch no no <laughs> doubt about it like I think Stitch definitely like was overmarketed and like to this day continues to be overmarketed. It's like, what's a Disney character that we think little boys would like? Oh, yes. Stitch. Stitch is a boy character. <laughs> like, let's let's market Stitch. 
a lot. Right. Uh, and it's just like, I don't hate Stitch. I don't love Stitch either. Why is there so much Stitch out there? Uh, and like, can we really blame Stitch for that though? Like, that's not really his fault. <laughs> um, he's definitely not any type of like uh, nuisance tonally like Olaf is. He does, like you said, complicate the plot at times, but that really makes sense because like you said, he's an alien. And so he kind of doesn't know any better. So no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm going with Naveen here. Eric and Alyssa, do uh, you agree with that? There's a trailer out there where Stitch is in a spaceship and he interrupts Princess Jasmine and, <laughs> yeah. and Back in Black by ACDC plays. <laughs> That's enough to keep Stitch in goat territory. He does so. that. He He's crawling up the wall of the Beauty and the Beast uh, ballroom <laughs> as they're dancing. Like they inserted him into a bunch of the Disney movies. And honestly, give it to me. That's I love funny. that marketing, That's that marketing funny, campaign. Actually. Totally. Prince Naveen's moving on in our books. Yeah. Um, Eric, you failed to mention that you dressed up as Stitch one year for Halloween. I just thought I'd throw this out there. I was t- Stitch for two years. <laughs> I brought the costume <laughs> back. It was alien Stitch with yeah. like the red body. and like It was the, was, it was was the orange, orange jumpsuit and there was six arms. <laughs> and then you could pull like the hood up and you would have like Stitch head. Oh my God. Oh, we gotta, we gotta find the photos. We gotta find the photos. All right, so let's move on down. We've got a five C three PO from Star Wars versus twelve Will Turner from Pirates. We've got two franchise boys boys. in in this round. Uh, Kyle, you can probably speak to more Will Turner than I can. Really, like all the Will Turner I remember is from like the first two Pirates movies. But we talked at length about Will Turner and our worst. Do you want me to go off again? I, I got thirty minutes in me. <laughs> we, we can just copy and paste that conversation into this part. Um, Will Turner, a bad pirate. You know, like we we talked about Will him Turner, doing doing bad a, pirate. Yeah, doing a lot of things that just don't make sense. No. From like a human perspective, from a pirate perspective, it's like, <laughs> dude, it ain't worth it. Like, <laughs> your girl's gone. Like, <laughs> sorry, but like, you let the let the military guys handle it. Like, you know, you're not you're not Liam Neeson's over here. Like, <laughs> right? Gonna go, gonna go, taking on him. He wanted, um, he wanted to be real bad. And like when I think about the character Will Turner, like the very first line that comes to my mind is that Commodore Norrington line that like now is not the time for rash actions. Yep. And Commodore Norrington is kind of like a trash dude, but in that moment, I'm like, you know what? Yes, <laughs> this <laughs> is right. not this is not the way. Uh, Will is very green when he sets out on his pirate adventure with Jack Sparrow. Uh, he mm-hmm. messes up in places, just like in the way he presents himself, uh, both in their attempt to, to commandeer the uh, interceptor. They hop on the boat with the two like funny guard guys, like, oh, oh, avast. And they look at him <laughs> like, he's okay. always okay. Like the overarching thing that makes Will the worst is that he's always trying too hard. It's a try hard. Yeah, he's a try hard he, pirate. He's, yes, absolutely. Pirate boyfriend just everything <laughs> he's a tryhard oh when you said tryhard boyfriend i totally just got like the image flashed into my brain of him kissing that knee and sucking on that <laughs> knee on that beach elizabeth swan's exactly. kneecap and he just 
The worst. Yummy. The uh, worst. <laughs> the worst. Yeah, he is. He is very much a tryhard. Uh, did he? Did he intend to go onto Davy Jones' boat, or did he get put in a trap by Jack Sparrow? He got tricked by Jack because he said that he needed to get a key and it would be in this wreck and if he got in trouble just say jack sparrow sent him so when he goes onto this wreck turns out that it's it's davy jones and he gets took in right and 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 we also now that i'm remembering it we see a lot of like communication issues in his relationship with elizabeth yep that is in two and three two and three are peak worst will turner they're like icing each other the whole time and and mind you all of the travel in all these movies is done by boat which is super slow tight quarters (laughs) and tight quarters (laughs) so it's like you have three months uh and you're in the same room and like what are you doing with your time yeah (laughs) not talking that's for sure kissing each other's kneecaps (laughs) (laughs) um c3po we also have talked about C-3PO a lot. feels like on this podcast, we did him in the best Star Wars character. We did him a little bit in the best robot. Kyle, your famous uh, C-3PO insight is that the actor Anthony Daniels like believes that C-3PO is the most important Star Wars character. Yep. Yep. He has to be in everything. <laughs> and I, he gets the first line in any of the Star Wars movies, which is cool for C-3PO. But uh, I often kind of like think, what is the, what is the purpose of this robot, not the character of like, actually like what is the purpose of the robot C-3PO? He is a protocol droid. So his job is basically to translate, to tell stories, to serve yep. drinks maybe. And when they get taken by the Jawas in the first star Wars movie and they get, try to get sold. Uncle Owen is like, we have no use for a protocol droid. Like we're farmers. What, you are useless. I don't want you. Uh, and he ends up like, tricking uncle Owen into purchasing him anyways, long story short, which is impossible with star Wars. Uh, <laughs> C-3PO ends up on the adventure. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> like stuff goes down. Luke's like, I want to go be a Jedi like my father. And then that is the moment, like the inciting incident in star Wars. Luke Skywalker saying, I'm, I'm going to go be a Jedi like my father. And for some reason he was like, you know who I really need to come with me on this adventure <laughs> is C-3PO. Of course. Protocol Need droid. I, like, I can understand R2-D2, right? Because yes. like R2 droids have some utility in the Star Wars universe. They like control they, ships. They do all kinds of stuff. And, and basically he, anything. He knew a little bit about like droids and a little bit about like uh, the rebels and the Empire. And, and he knew that like I'm going to need an R2 droid. Uh, they seem to be fairly in demand, to be honest. And so yeah. I could see him like keeping R2-D2, but like... You see them sell his speeder before they leave Tatooine. And like, I feel like he should have been like, C-3PO, thank you for all your help so far. But I need 80 bucks, though. Really yeah. bad. <laughs> but you're junk now. Uh, we just we just like promised we'd spend this guy. F- we, we promised we'd pay this guy 15 grand uh, for <laughs> this like space trip ship adventure. And we only have like five. So... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna get you fifty gone. bucks out of you. Yeah, you didn't have to stay here. Um, and then that's it. like that would be the end of C three PO's life as as a Star Wars character. And if we were talking about realism, um, but he takes on the role as like of of like a sidekick, but he doesn't really like contribute a whole lot 
to any of the action. Like R2-D2 will be like flipping switches. He'll be like doing little jetpack maneuvers. He'll be repairing ships. Uh, he'll be <laughs> supplying, he'll be, he'll be like, pro- he'll be projecting maps onto walls. It's like R2-D2 yep. is a Swiss army knife of a droid. <laughs> Great yeah. droid. C-3PO is just like standing around, like talking during really important things. He gets either blown apart or dies completely three times in this Skywalker saga. Too he many times to count. Too many times. And, and That's C- when you know he's just useless. Yeah. In the second in the second movie, Empire Strikes Back, C-3PO really is just, he's a backpack. He is a robotic backpack for most of the movie. He doesn't do a lot. I think in Retur- Return of the Jedi is like my personal favorite C-3PO. They make him like the god of the ewok tribe like they see c3po and they're like oh this shiny robot like is our god we're gonna like worshiping and he ends up like translating for them and it's kind of like a funny ironic moment for this character that is really useless all of a sudden being both in this position of power within the ewok community but also like in this very precarious situation like in between the rebels and the ewoks and you're like this whole thing is hinging on freaking c3po right now <laughs> so like this dude needs to like stay chill um yeah uh i i wouldn't say there are a lot of moments where like i see c3po like getting in the way of the story like yes he's annoying yes he doesn't need to be there but i don't really see him like causing things to spiral out of control in ways that are irreparable like will turner does a lot but I think just the the number of times C-3PO appears in the Star Wars movies is too many. He's in like 10 of them. <laughs> and, and throughout all of those movies, not one moment was I like, I love C-3PO. He's a great character. I care about him a lot. Um, and that's why I'm advancing C-3PO here. Yeah, he's he's the worst. He's the Olaf of the Star Wars <laughs> universe. Like he is always just inserting really bad jokes he may not like compromise entire missions or anything, but people are constantly telling him to shut up. <laughs> like they don't even want to be traveling with him. In what? Attack of the Clones, he gets turned into a completely different droid. He's the little like battle droid dudes. And his entire purpose is to is a movie long bit in which he is making jokes about his head being on the wrong body. <laughs> he gets dragged off and he says, This is a drag. Like, get CBO off my screen. He is the worst. Will Turner is also the worst. He's a big crybaby. The moment that you're talking about the lack of communication is because at the end of Dead Men's Chest, Elizabeth kisses Jack Sparrow in order to trick him and and locks him onto the mast of the ship so that he gets eaten by the Kraken. And then Will sees that and they get into the boat and Will goes, where's Jack? And Elizabeth's like, he said to go without him. And Will's like looking at her and then just like looks off off into the distance, like just talk to her about it. And then everybody's like, oh, mourning. Because really? I just saw you macking here. <laughs> and then everyone's you mourning. Explain yourself. <laughs> everyone's mourning Jack's death at Tia Dalma's house. And he is just brooding in the corner. Like everyone is like cheersing to the memory of Jack and he can't even say anything because <laughs> he's so mad that Elizabeth kissed him. <laughs> Uh, and then in the third movie, they like that tension is still there. And Elizabeth said, like, well, I, I had no choice. Like, we had to get out of there. I needed to tell I needed to to trick him in order for us to survive. And he's like, you chose not to tell me. 
It's like, shut up, Will. <laughs> shut up. Uh, and there's a bunch of other moments, but we don't need to talk about it because C3PO's <laughs> definitely going to move on here. Uh, Eric and Melissa, we haven't had to put you to work yet, but did we make the right decision here? I, I definitely agree with you. There's scenes in Star Wars where C3PO is like reciting to Hans, the, or to Han Solo, the odds of what he's doing and how like impossible they are. And then constantly Han Solo like does the thing. Right. So he like progresses the plot as being like the artificial intelligence that can't possibly compute the adventure and the the impossibility of this world. So he's like objectivity over here and objectivity's lame. Star Wars and fantasy <laughs> getting outside of objectivity is fun. So um yeah, I've also been convinced by your Will Turner bitches. Yeah, he seems but also, Will Turner's hot, so. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. That's all I'll say about that. I don't really know Star Wars that well. Shiny robot, like, it's annoying. Like, Will Turner's hot, so. Shiny robot, kind of hot. Will Turner, <laughs> very hot. Let's yes. be honest. Call a spade a spade. <laughs> but shiny robot's hot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, let's move on across the bracket to the next matchup. It's the Battle of... Wow, almost forgot it. It's the Battle of Agrabah. It is number two, Aladdin, versus number 15, Iago. Um, I'm going to make this one quick, Chris. Iago sucks because he's very annoying, but he's also a villain's sidekick. So he's supposed to not be likable, right? He's supposed to be evil he's supposed to have bad intentions he's supposed to get in the way of our hero he's supposed to get in the way of the things that we like what makes him definitely like the, makes him the the worst quote unquote is that his gilbert godfrey's voice is unbearable at times uh the jokes that he is screaming are just awful um but he's he's meant like i can see I just don't see him as deserving of being on a worst bracket when he's designed to be a villainous character. Aladdin's supposed to be our hero and homeboy is like a Prince Naveen type where he is using magic to get the things that he wants and doesn't want to own up to like his own selfishness. And the fact that like we have this moral compass, this conscience of of genie the entire movie telling aladdin to tell jasmine the truth about who he is and how the truth will always lead you to this whole new world uh he ignores it and as a, as we we as an audience often will just facepalm and be like god aladdin's such an idiot just tell her she'd probably like you just tell her um, but he never does it. And that makes him the worst. He is the worst for doing that. He is the worst for manipulating Jasmine into liking him by taking on this fake persona. He is out here catfishing before catfishing was cool. I'm moving on to Aladdin. I think it's definitely unfair that he gets what he wants in the end. You know, like for, for all of the masterminding the manipulation, the lies, the deceit, the disguises. What does Aladdin have to show for all that? Everything he's ever wanted. So <laughs> like it's, it's definitely a difficult watch for me. And we've taught, we've said that a lot on this podcast about how Aladdin is kind of cringy to get through. Um, Aladdin does kind of learn though, by the end of the movie that it isn't about the things 
you have in your life that are like inanimate objects. It's about the people you have in your life. Um, it's right. about people like Genie. You know, he gets that final wish and he's like, this is it, Aladdin. Like you can wish for, I can't even remember what he was, he was going to do. Uh, but he was like, nope, wish for your freedom, bro. That way we can be pals all the time. <laughs> and like, yes, I think it's super messed up. Like the way he went about all of his business leading up to that. And like the way that he got to where he ended up mentally. Uh, but I have to like give credit where credit's due. He does seem like he turned a little bit at the end sure. and kind of learned what the more important things in life are. And like, you know what? I'm not going to lie. Like I've been through that in my life as well. Like I've thought I've put value in things that I didn't realize shouldn't be as valued as uh, maybe I was valuing them. Here's the thing about Iago. I don't understand Gilbert Gottfried. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just like, I wasn't old enough, but like, I don't get it. Like what was the comedy there behind Gilbert Gottfried. Like, what's the appeal? I know that he like is considered a comedian, but I've I've probably literally never seen anything that he's done except for Aladdin. <laughs> so I don't know where that comedian title even comes from. Yeah, like I don't know what what type of comedy it is, or like he just has like an annoying voice, and and like in Aladdin, yeah. Iago gets these little moments where he he rants three minutes just Iago ranting like very flustered and like that I think is like the Gilbert Gottfried brand is like angry like angry man or like miffed man <laughs> sure and for a movie that I d really don't like watching all of these Iago beats just make it just that much longer for me <laughs> <laughs> and for that reason I'm going with the upset here wow I'm going with Iago over Aladdin. So Eric and Alyssa, you are breaking your first tie. Oh boy. I was excited for this one because <laughs> Aladdin has done so much for me. Um, I, not sexually awakening, but kind of. Um, <laughs> no, but what I wanted to talk about was actually the impact Aladdin had on all racially ambiguous kids out there who didn't have that representation and so Aladdin was like kind of the closest we got. It's like, oh, he's kind of like brown, but also like, I don't know, dark haired, light skin. We don't really know what he is. So I'm identifying with him versus sure. like, you know, the rest of whitewashed Disney at that point. So I think um, for that reason and his impact on like all of the, the kids out there who needed someone who kind of looked like them, uh, I vote for Aladdin as being better than Yago. And Yago being so annoying that even Jafar couldn't handle him. So. <laughs> True. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I think, um, like, I see Aladdin and, like, the way people talked about him in the beginning of the movie as, like, just being trash, right? Like, the whole street rat mentality, like, this human doesn't have any worth because they don't have wealth. And if, if you just kind of sit there with that, perspective of a character you're 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 shooken by this that it took him this long to actually fight for the freedom of genie well he had always been on a leash right he'd always been kind of confined by how people saw him because he had this deal to get what he needed so there, there's something about aladdin's journey like you said chris that i think is, is worthy of not being the worst um and and i think there's 
I don't know. I, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Iago is just like physically hearing the voice. It, it makes me feel bad. It hurts my stomach. I feel like parts of my body start to like tense up. Like the, the sound physically bothers my ears. Oh man, you That's struggle. Kind of you struggle through those Aflac commercials then, huh? <laughs> those are a lot. Worst nightmare. All right. 15 Iago is going to move on as the worst Disney character. Let's move on to this next matchup. It is number seven, Charlie Calvin from the Santa Claus Cinematic Universe versus number 10, Tomater. Um, oh, man. Tomater, dude. To- like, he's another character that is in the same vein for me as 3PO, as Olaf. It's the side character that is there to provide a lot of humor in in these films in which they are kind of paired up with a hero or heroes but is really there to either get in the way cause trouble make really bad jokes and then he will end up serving a purpose in the end like so does olaf so does 3po tomater helps to humble mcqueen and get mcqueen off his high horse enough to realize the humanity in people and that that this racing sport isn't all about winning it's about winning alongside your your friends and your your family and your loved ones doing it all together working together um and you know they really make tomater this kind of like simpleton of radiator springs and juxtaposed to like the flashy famous uh lightning mcqueen but Larry the Cable Guy, mm. it's the same thing with Eric and Iago. Like Larry the Cable Guy, I never understood his appeal. There was that like kind of blue collar southern, comedy. Southern, Jeff Foxworthy, Larry the Cable yep. Guy. It was popular it. for like a year, like 365 days. But <laughs> was it popular in 2006? Like when, how did Larry the Cable Guy get this gig for the parents i mean yeah it's like disney disney's a late adopter to to like any big company is gonna be a late adopter like they have to know for sure because they have to convince so many people that something like this is like a good you know if you want to be like yo you got to get this tiktok comedian uh he's hilarious they'd be like who uh, but if you go, oh yeah, Larry the Cable. Oh yeah, I know Larry the Cable guy. That's a good idea. Yeah, it feels like he had a friend on the like production side of things. I, like, you know, I got a buddy who could who could play this tow truck. He's he's annoying. He is like the Olaf <laughs> character, so I do think he's the worst. Um, Charlie Calvin. He's a kid, and kids are the absolute worst. Hate him. <laughs> Hate him, dude. Charlie Calvin in the Santa Claus, like, granted, a lot of it is the is the kid actor, right? Like the the kid in the first film isn't the best actor. The line delivery is really painful at times. <laughs> but you know when like kids are are almost too smart, like they just start repeating things that they've heard, and you're like, you don't you don't know that. Shut up, you're <laughs> a stupid kid. Charlie does that when uh. When Neil, his, I guess, like stepdad is having a conversation about Santa not being real. And Neil's like, okay, well, what about Santa's reindeer? Have you seen a reindeer fly? 
And Charlie's like, yes. And Neil's like, well, I haven't. And Charlie goes, have you ever seen a million dollars? And Neil goes, no. And Charlie goes, just because you can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I'd smack the shit out of Charlie if you told me that. <laughs> Annoying little kid. Hate that. I hate when they try and like outsmart the parents. Like it's it's so annoying. He uh he lights up Scott's spot on career day. Like Scott comes in trying to explain how he's like a, a toy manufacturer and and Charlie's like, My dad's Santa Claus. And it's like, Charlie, I know you're stoked, dude, but we gotta keep this under wraps. Get your together. Get it together, Charlie. Charlie. Get it together. Um and then another example of when Charlie is just out here trying to school adults is when he quite literally repeats what Neil has told him in the past when he's talking to Scott about how great of a cook Neil is um, after uh, Scott like blows up the kitchen during a Christmas dinner. And uh, Charlie goes, you don't like him very much, do you, dad? And Scott goes, Charlie, I'm sorry. I was just kidding around. Sure, I like him, but there's just something about him that makes me want to. And Charlie goes, lash out irrationally. And Scott's like, well, why did you hear that? And he said, from Neil, I hear a lot from him. He listens to me, which is like a really sad moment that like he has to say he listens to me. But that lash out irrationally line makes me want to lash out irrationally <laughs> at the TV screen because Charlie's acting like a know-it-all and I hate it. So sticking to my guns here. Kids suck. I'm uh, I'm moving Charlie Calvin on as as the worst Disney character past Larry the Cable Guy. I uh, I'm trying to think of like because what you said is true. We're like kids hear an expression or something and they have no idea what it means, but they'll just like blurt it out because they've heard it a lot and like they think yep. they understand. I'm trying to think. I think I did something like that one time when I was in second <laughs> grade and it was one of the more like embarrassing moments of my whole life. Oh, and, uh, aired out the, Let's get into it. it wasn't that bad, but like there was this, <laughs> there was this group of girls in my class. There was probably four of them and they were like good students. They were like, they like never misbehaved. They were like, te- not like teachers pets, but like they were like standout students. And so one day at recess, they all were like hanging out in some like corner of the playground that like they weren't supposed to or something, but they all got referrals. They all got in trouble. And so (laughs) we, we all got back to the classroom and like they were like bawling hysterically like all four of them like everyone was sitting at their desk and they're like four of them are like crying because they had never been like disciplined before like in any any way so they were like so upset about it um and then there was like a moment of silence and out of nowhere i go and one day you'll look back at all this and laugh oh dude and then there was and then there was like another like 10 seconds of silence (laughs) and then like the day just like no one acknowledged it whatsoever oh i was like oh i guess they won't (laughs) i was expecting my teacher to be like you know what chris that's right (laughs) no she was like me and be like this stupid kid (laughs) hold up um Tomater. No, yeah, I think I think I think Larry Cable the guy is what we don't like. Like I I honestly did really dislike these these like comic relief characters that are kind of like over 
done or like overperformed, but like I am a Tomater defender because I think he wow. serves a very important part in cars. And I sort of disagree with what you're saying about how like he's comic relief and then it all comes around in the end. Tomater is a Lightning McQueen defender from the very beginning. Like from when they first meet, the town is like this know-it-all racing car thinks he's better than us. And like, we're going to put him to work. And like Tomater is the one who's like, I see good in you. I'm going to give you the time of day. Like, I want you to be my friend, even though you're a jerk. And I think that's kind of what I think about when I think about Tomater and like, yes, it kind of like crescendos in the very end. Um, and their relationship pays off, but, uh, like that's a whole, f- uh, point of conflict between lightning and Sally when Sally's like, you got to be nice to Tomater because he has a, a, he's a symbol. He's annoying, but like, he's really got a big heart and like, he really likes you. Please don't do him dirty. Uh, so, so yeah, Tomater, like play the cable guy annoying, but, uh, I think he's a good Disney character. If I'm gonna be honest, Charlie Calvin, I like, I'm not agreeing with you, but I, I'm defending <laughs> Tomater. So I'm going to advance Charlie here uh, just because I want to save Toe. Um, <laughs> Alyssa and Eric, do you agree? In the Okay, it, I agree that Charlie Calvin should move on. And in the spirit of sharing um, childhood memories that are stuck with us in order to move Charlie forward, I just want to say that, Chris, thank you for sharing that. That was very vulnerable. <laughs> I value your story. Thank I'll you. reciprocate it. Um, in kindergarten, I quoted Austin Powers and <laughs> absolutely got sent to the principal's office i had no idea what i was saying i heard another kid say it i literally repeated verbatim what i heard another child saying and so for me saying mini me stop humping the laser beam I to this date i said that as a kindergartner you shouldn't be saying those things as a kindergartner charlie advances um yeah and that bowl cut so horrible. Smack it off his head. <laughs> Dude, the worst. My dad, when when I was misbehaving, my dad used to threaten me with that. He'd be like, "You want your haircut like that? <laughs> Keep talking." And we haven't I even did. we haven't even gotten to Santa Claus two yet, <laughs> and uh, he's not much better there. But uh, I will also say that um, we didn't even touch upon Cars two, and that's Toe at his worst. Yeah, that is yeah. a so yeah. Yeah. we can't cut him too much slack, yeah. but I forgot uh, about Charlie's, that movie personally. Charlie is um, definitely the worst. If you want to see us do a best car bracket where we, <laughs> where we, where we debate all of the cars in the cars universe, please drop us a comment somewhere or send us an email at mouse at podcast at gmail.com uh, because that will be a challenge, but one that yes, I'm sort of interested in doing uh, next matchup. It's number three, Geppetto versus Pinocchio versus 14, Merlin from Sword in the Stone. What a matchup. The matchup of the old dudes who <laughs> have sort of lost their judgment. <laughs> Geppetto, we, we laid into Geppetto. I can't remember when it was. Was it? I don't either, but it was mostly you. Like you had a vendetta against Geppetto. And you're just roasting him for a he's, he's a bad dad. <laughs> when was that? Was that it, it can't have been like best Disney animated movie. It might have been best oh, cat. Man. I don't know. At some point, like I yeah, we went on a Geppetto rant, and um he's so annoying. 
uh, particularly because he is someone who has been alone for presumably his whole life. Um, but he has had a very long life and he <laughs> seems like he contributes to society. Like he has a toy shop. So he sees a lot of kids, lots of families, and he lives in a small Bavarian town. So like he interacts with people. So I, I, I want to say he's somewhat well adjusted and like somewhat has some like moral compass and like good decision-making abilities because of where, where he's positioned amongst society, but he is just constantly making poor choices. Sure. Uh, it starts off <coughs> when he, <laughs> this isn't like a poor life choice, but like, this is just annoying. And like, why would a grown man, uh, who forgot to close his window, lay down and be like, Figaro, Hey, cat. I forgot to close the window. His toes are cold, so he gets his cat to go close the window for him. All he had to do is like reach his arm up and go. Boop. Yep. These these houses are not very big, people. We've seen him. We see. We already saw him kneel on his bed to like pray in the windowsill. So like, like at most, at the most, he just has to like lean forward a little bit. Yep. Uh, and yet he gets his cat. So there's that aspect where like he's, he's just annoying. He has man-child tendencies, basically. Sure. Then you've got him. Like I said, he's been around children for his whole life because he makes toys. We can assume that. Finally gets his wish where he gets a child and just, just lets him go to school. Yeah, sends him off. And, and I get that like back in the old days, like kids used to walk to school on their own and it was no big deal. But like, this was a living being who, who had never left the house before. So like, you should at least walk the route and be like, this is how you get to school. (laughs) (laughs) This is what, this is what other people look like Pinocchio. Uh, And kind of like literally hold his hand to show him what he needs to do. He's like, Pinocchio, you're going to school in the morning and I'm sure everything will be totally fine. Also, don't you have to like call the school and be like, we got a new kid. This is Pinocchio. He just showed, yeah, he just showed up one day and he was like, I'm here. What's up? <laughs> um, How does he know what a school is? Yeah. There's a lot of, he was like four hours old and getting sent off to school. It's beyond me. Yeah, so I mean that's all on Geppetto. Like I think we like to think like Pinocchio, you're stupid for going with the like actor's life for me people, but like this was all Geppetto's fault. Yeah. For just like assuming that everything would be cool. Yeah. So so he so he leaves. When 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 Pinocchio does leave, he leaves. He's like, I'm out of here. But and where does he go? He goes to the beach. <laughs> and right. he goes out on a boat in the ocean. Because like obviously if I'm, that's go- where Pinocchio. <laughs> if I'm going to look for Pinocchio, I must go out to sea. Mm-hmm. That's, that's definitely where he is. I'll find him out there. He gets eaten. <laughs> he, he gets eaten by Monstro the whale. Yep. And uh, and Figaro's there too, and Cleo's there too. And, and they had to come. Yeah. And <laughs> this is where like Geppetto, like my feelings on Geppetto are like cemented. Be- 
because he makes absolutely no effort to like get out of this situation. <laughs> He's like, all right, Cleo, Geppetto, this is it. We're whale tongue people now. Yep. This is our life. Here we go. Time to fish out of the whale's mouth for the rest of our lives. We're going to fish for krill and uh, (laughs) it's chill. Come on, Geppetto. Uh, In the end, he somehow ends up with a child and um, (laughs) it's just him and Pinocchio, real boy Pinocchio from then on. And and there's like, there's no other people is like what worries me. Right. There's Jiminy Cricket, I guess. He's still hanging around. But, like, who knows if he's going to hang around? Because he got his little conscious badge, and he was, like, bouncing around before he rolled into town. So, like, does he does he stay? Is, like, I'm Pinocchio's conscious, and it's just me and him? Or he's, like, I'm going to go help the next kid, like, Elliot from Pete's Dragon. Right. Isn't the whole thing that he gets the badge and dips? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I thought he leaves at the end. Okay, well, then that makes it even worse, because now it's just Geppetto with an actual human that he has to take care of. <laughs> right. <laughs> You did such a good job with this puppet that you let escape. Uh, let's give you a real kid and see how it goes. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have no loved ones, no family, no friends to help you should something happen to you. Uh, I just like think they're setting Pinocchio up for failure, unfortunately, uh, by giving Geppetto stewardship over this child. Merlin is a crazy dude. <laughs> uh, we talked about him on Biggest Disney Turnt Boys and... Uh, I think we determined that he wasn't turnt. He was just, he was just wired. He's just very yeah. high energy, very loud. Um, he speaks in gibberish. Uh, I would direct you to the song Hidgetus Fidgetus if you would like to hear more of that. Um, he has a interesting life advice for Arthur throughout the movie. Uh, I, I think of this scene where they get transformed into squirrels and yep. the girl squirrel is like, uh, getting, getting a little like physically close to Arthur and is like uh, showing some interest in Arthur and Merlin's basically like, let it happen, boy. <laughs> this is how nature works. Let it happen, boy. <laughs> and it's kind of like, ah, <laughs> yeah, don't like that. Don't like that oh, at man. all. Um, so his, his life advice is questionable at best. Thank God our committees is there to keep Merlin in check. Um, yep. At the end of the day, I think, I think it's on Geppetto. I mean, both of these are like older men who have like some guardianship over children, but I think, I think Geppetto is the one who's a little, I'm a little bit more worried about (laughs) at least like Merlin has magic to fall back on and Arthur becomes a king in the end. So I think he's going to be okay. I'm going with Geppetto. Yeah, I I think that Merlin is just like a million old million year old wizard who is frustrated by being transported back into olden times. There's a scene where he like pulls a a little like steam train out of his uh out of his like magic whatever and he has to tell Arthur like give it another couple thousand years. Like he he's just put into a situation that he doesn't necessarily want to be in. And that is evident by a video that I found on YouTube that is titled Merlin loses his and it is just four minutes of Merlin just like upset at different moments of this movie. And you forget how often he just like gets really frustrated with the world that he's in. I don't think that that makes him the worst. I think that he's just kind of like 
a fish out of water. And I don't think that he really does a ton to jeopardize the situation. He gets Arthur to where Arthur needs to be, which is to become king. So he's successful in that. Um, but yeah, Geppetto, uh, <laughs> I just can't get over like all you've wanted in your life, dude, is a son or a kid, right? All you've wanted. And then suddenly you get one and you're like, but, all right, time to go to school. <laughs> like Four hours after this thing is brought to life, you're like, okay, now get out of my house. Like what? So I'm going to agree with you. Uh, Geppetto's going to move on here for me, Eric and Alyssa, what you think about that? I just want to say, I thought we were talking about <laughs> Marlin from <laughs> Finding Nemo. Where's my son? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was very confused for a minute, but now I understand. Um, <laughs> similar tropes, though, I'd have to say. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they're both, they're both, they, I feel like we can say Geppetto brought Pinocchio to life. He's magic. Merlin is like a better magician, like a better wizard. <laughs> is that fair? So Geppetto is the worst wizard, so he can progress. Geppetto needed the help from the Blue Fairy. I also like to think that I love that you think that Marlin was the one that was on this because, like, yeah, he kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel so silly. Miss the dance. <laughs> This is the dance. Miss the dance, Marlin. Oh, man. All right. Let's talk about this last matchup. It is number six, Judy Hopps from Zootopia versus number 11, Dylan Piper from the Halloween Town uh, universe. Really, Dylan Piper is the worst to me in the first Halloween Town film. Uh, he is forever trying to debunk anything that the women of his family say. Like, they cannot be the keepers of truth because he is the smartest of the Cromwell family. And it is so annoying. And I'm like, and like, that's on, I think that's on purpose. That was, it was a very like women centric film, like powerful women, both magically and in who they are. And to juxtapose with this like annoying boy <laughs> just made it all worthwhile, right? That's exactly what they're trying to do. He's a party pooper. He hates Halloween. He's, he says that it's, uh, it gives little kids dumb ideas about there being magic. Um, he says, personally, I give me a good nature documentary any day. Like, let, the, let people have fun. <laughs> Dylan, you idiot. Uh, he's a, he's a know-it-all. Grandma, Grandma tells Marnie how smart she is for knowing so much about Halloween Town. And Dylan interjects and says, actually, she gets B's and C's. I get the A's. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Nerd. Um, when Marnie is climbing into the big pumpkin at the end of the film to drop the thing in to light it back up to kill Calabar, he ha he ulti he just automatically thinks that she can't do it. Like, yes, it looked like she got zapped and that she was she was going to die, but she was able to drop the thing into the <laughs> into the holder perfectly to save Halloween Town. But like she has defied odds for this entire hour and 20 minute movie. Have some belief in your sister. You haven't had it this entire time. It is incredibly frustrating. He is just annoying with how, you know, this know it all mentality is like the worst. I don't like it. It is frustrating. And that's who his character is the entire time. Then you have Judy Hopps, who is the tryhard, right? And she's a cop, so we really hate her, right? <laughs> so, like, she's 
when she gets into being a cop, you know, we get to see the whole past thing about the predators versus the prey and like this this kind of separation in in class and in in mindset of who everyone thinks they are. And she becomes this cop to try and like make things right, but she really has this prejudice all along. That's frustrating. Uh, when she becomes the meter maid, she doesn't want to just give out the quota tickets. She she says a uh, hundred tickets. I'm not gonna give hundred tickets. I'm gonna write two hundred tickets before noon. It's like try hard. We hate that. We don't like that at all. <laughs> She's constantly like willing to risk Nick's life throughout the film for her own gain. So she. When they're investigating that like um, that junkyard that is owned by the like mafia mouse, <laughs> it's been a minute since I've seen this film, so <laughs> forgive me. But she like throws a pen over the fence to have probable cause for them to enter the property because that was a, a piece of evidence that they're trying to investigate and bring Nick along. Like one, that is a, a awful move by our <laughs> our police force. We don't like that. Sketchy. And two, like don't drag Nick into it. And they ended up getting like captured and interrogated by these like mafia kids. Guys, we don't like that. Um and and also almost gets Nick killed when they go visit that that methed out panther when they this like dude that's been missing and they go check him out and he's he's high on night howlers, which turns him into this like aggro <laughs> like version of himself that she then associates with predators it's the whole war on drugs metaphor we all know it we all know it uh and she's just you know that that wants to be the best top of class goody two-shoes blind to the corruption because all she what she believes is right and there can't be anything wrong with wanting to do right and that's kind of the theme of this film is like you that's not the case like um police force sucks judy gets a pass here because dylan sucks dylan is the worst like him in every moment of that film is just the worst judy hops redeems herself she has this awakening moment very much like a very obvious moral of the story at the end where she's like we shouldn't judge people by who they are like we get it um, but Dylan doesn't. Dylan is just annoying. He's the worst. Uh, he's gonna have the upset over Judy here. Um. Uh. Yeah. I mean, dude, you surprised me there. I thought you were. I thought you were going down the Judy Hops path there. But um. No. The the cop excuse is too easy. I can't do uh, that. Yeah. Um. I kind. I get like. I get like a sick pleasure out of the heat check. That is Judy Hopps getting to the city, you know, <laughs> and like the, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to be the best cop there ever was in Zootopia history and everyone's going to know my name and I'm going to be a hero and everyone in this suck town is going to know my name. <laughs> Cause that's like every Disney story, every hero origin story ever. And then she gets there and she lives in a closet and like her neighbors are like yell at each other the whole night. And she right. like, she like fake. She, what does she do? She like fake FaceTime like, or something. She's she, like, yeah, it's so great. Yeah. It's so good. 
and I do get some like sense of pleasure out of that just because I have experienced that several times over as well. That sense of like feeling like you're going to do Maria Von Trapp and spin the suitcase and be like, I have confidence and confidence yeah. is key. And then getting there being like, Oh, sh- this is super hard. And sure, yeah. my apartment smells like ass and there's a mouse, <laughs> you know, like this is, this is not easy. Reality check. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I like that. I like she gets that heat check. Dylan Piper. No, I agree with you. I think, I think Dylan, I meet so many people in my real life that are Dylan Pipers, you know, (laughs) that are like those people that you cannot, they cannot agree with you on anything. Even if it's something that they agree with, they have to just because that's the type of person they are. They have to say something that undermines what you're saying just because they're such critical thinkers and like, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Like it's a great thing because it's always good to have alternate perspectives on something, but it can like really hinder conversations sometimes when it's like, can we just like move towards something? Can we make progress in some way without you having to be like, actually that's not true. Or like, actually here's why that might be wrong. It's like, let's just, let's just, let's just pick something. So, uh, yes, those people like Dylan Piper are awful and they are the worst. I'm going to have to give it to Judy hops here though. Uh, just because, um, like you said, that energy of like, uh, being a tryhard, like, like, like yeah. we were talking about with Will Turner, that, that tryhard energy. Um, I, I've never been someone who gels with that at all. You know, like, sure. like life is way too long to come out guns blazing into anything. Like you got to get there. You got to feel it out. You know, don't, get, get walked all over. But at the same time, like you have to kind of like know what you're walking into. Uh, yeah, I'm going with Judy. So last matchup here is going to be a tie break. Eric and Alyssa. Oh man, those are all really great points. I think I'm going to have to side with Judy as well, just because it's like, She's so eager to, like, prove people wrong despite all the odds. And that's just, like, so annoying because it's, like, why are you, like, you're being, like, haters are my motivator. But, like, (laughs) like, that only gets you so far. Like, I don't know. Part of me feels like she doesn't actually want to be a cop to prove, like, the only reason that she's trying to be a cop is to prove people wrong and not because she's actually willing to, like, be a cop. So, I don't know. Yeah, just irks me. Plus the cop thing. So... (laughs) There's definitely a, they both have like an exceptionalism thing where like there's a better way of being, which is like a superiority thing that I don't like going on for either of them. Um, Dylan as like a character is so much more annoying. I'll give that to you. Like so annoying. Ah, but I'm going to double down with Alyssa and say Judy Hopps can move forward. Let's get into it. Let's get into why Judy Hopps is worse. Oh yeah. We are going to talk all about that. (laughs) Next episode, we are left with an elite eight, and it looks like this. The number one Peter Pan is going to be up against the number nine Olaf. Down the bracket, it's going to be number four Prince Naveen versus number five C-3PO. Across the bracket, it's number 15 Iago versus number seven Charlie Calvin. And to round out the elite eight is number three Geppetto versus the number six Judy Hopps. Eric and Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. I know we didn't really put you to work a ton, but we appreciate your stories. 
We appreciate your last tie break here and we can't wait to have you back next time. Thank you so much. We'll just have to see how this one goes. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring some more hot takes next time. <laughs> All right, everybody, you know how to reach us. Do you have something to say about these worst Disney characters? Do you have a, a worst Disney character of your own you want to rant about? Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon and become a member of Jerry's Gang, where you get access to bonus episodes as well as a seasonal Disney trivia night that is coming up, join us at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Uh, Till next week, folks. Hakuna Matata. <laughs>